Good morning, church. Hi, everyone. My name's Ray, and I'm here to give us the Bible reading for this morning. Uh, so the Bible reading this morning will come from uh, Genesis chapter 1, so the very first book of the Bible. And uh, yeah, so here at CB, CBE Church, we believe that the Bible is the Word of God. Um, so yeah, it's my, my pleasure to, uh, yeah, to bring us the Word of God. Um, but yeah, if you, are, if you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to, to grab a complimentary uh, version uh, at the, uh, at the uh, back of the hall. So uh, this morning's Bible reading comes from Genesis chapter 1, uh, and we'll start from verse 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning, the first day. And God said, Let there be a vault between the waters to separate water from water. So God made the vault and separated the water under the vault from the water above it. And it was so. God called the vault sky, and there was evening, and there was morning, the second day. And God said, Let the water under the sky be gathered to one place, and let dry ground appear. And it was so. God called the dry ground land, and gathered the waters he called, and the gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear, bear fruit with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. The land produced vegetation, plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the vault of the sky to separate the day from the night, and let them serve as signs to mark the sacred times and days and years, and let them be lights in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth. And it was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. God set them in the vault of the sky to give light on the earth, to govern the day and the night, and to separate light from darkness. And God saw that it was good, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fourth day. And God said, let the water teem with living creatures, and let birds fly above the, above the earth across the vault of the sky. So God created the great creatures of the sea and every living thing with which the water teems and that moves about in it according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was very good. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and increase in number, and fill the water in the seas, and let the, bird, and let the birds increase, uh, increase in, in number and <coughs> increase on the earth. And, let, and there was evening, and there was morning, the fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, the livestock, and the creatures that move along the ground, and the wild animals, each according to its kind. And it was so. God made wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that moved along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. God, then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. 
So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the whole earth and every tree that has fruit with seed in it. They will be yours for food. And to all the beasts of the earth and all the birds in the sky and all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green, green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all its vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. This is God's word. Thank you, Ray. Well, good morning, everyone. Um, a warm welcome to you, especially if it's your first time visiting CPE Church. Uh, good to see some old faces back from holidays and things like that as well. My name's Iggy. I'm one of the pastors here, um, and I'm so glad that you've joined us today as we hear God's Word, as we start the year together, as we reflect on what we've learned, um, but that we look forward to 2023 and really uh, getting the right foundations for living a life with Jesus Christ. Now, let me start by asking a bit of a question. At the end of 2022, last year, sounds weird saying that, right? Last year, 2022, at the end of last year, who here felt tired? Hands up if you felt tired. Yeah? Yep. Many of us, I'm sure, uh, were feeling tired. I know I was. Uh, many of us, um, maybe even today, are feeling tired. Um, it's, not, it's not uncommon for people to be feeling overwhelmed anxious, exhausted in this current climate. I know, I know what that feels like as well. Actually, um, roughly two years ago after church camp, not last year, but the year before, uh, which I loved, I loved it. It was such a great, encouraging time. Uh, but after that, I completely crashed. So I don't know if all of you know this, but uh, there was a point where I just really crashed. Uh, I couldn't work anymore. I had a low level of anxiety, which I just never feel, like just this anxiety. It felt like my heart was beating fast. I could feel it. I couldn't focus. I slept a lot, but I woke up tired. Um, and it was at that point I realized I was running completely on empty. Uh, I had to see my GP. Um, and I see a psychologist now every three months or so to uh, just get check-ins for burnout prevention. Because, um, yeah, ministry, uh, unfortunately, that is something we really got to work out for, look out for. But even then, um, there are definitely points along the way, you know, uh, last year where I felt like I was running on empty, you know, I was so tired, so exhausted. I need to be really careful to be sustainable. Now, I don't know if you feel a little bit like that in your life. You might have felt something similar. There's, lo and there's lots of possible reasons, you know, as we feel tired, as we feel a bit exhausted. There's been COVID. It's still around, you know, uh, but particularly the last few years, they've been really exhausting. Nothing was normal. Uh, there was isolations, um, the impact on mental health because of that, the trauma of the pandemic, the constant change. That's exhausting. For many of us, 
the tiredness comes just from the season of life that we're in. Uh, so hands up here if you've got small children. Hands up if you've got small children here. Okay, keep your hands up if you feel re- refreshed and rested all the time. Yep, okay, yep. It's just hard. It's just a hard season. And then there's work. There's a constant pressure to work hard, to perform. If we don't, there's a whole line of people going, that's going to take our place. If we don't, our bosses are going to be disappointed. If we don't, maybe we're going to be disappointed in ourselves. How could we let ourselves down like that? Technology as well means that you can work everywhere and anywhere, and you're actually expected to. They might give you a laptop, but, you know, that's not really a present, guys, because they're saying you better respond, you better work everywhere and anywhere. This is the world we live in now. All this leaves us feeling exhausted. And we feel frustrated, don't we? Because we feel like we just can't do the things that we really think are important. Spend time with our family. Spend time with our friends. Spend time with God. Surely, this isn't the way things should be. Well, friends, this is why today's message is so important as we start the new year. We want to see that God actually promises rest for the weary. And this is so good. I believe the biggest enemy to us loving God with all of our hearts, actually living a life of devotion to God, is overwork, it's distraction, it's busyness. So it's time we come back and we find some rest. This is where we need to start. All right. As we think about rest, um, just to give you an idea, sorry, I haven't turned this on idea where we're going. Um, when we look at the ethics of a topic of the Bible, um, how do we understand a topic like something like rest, right? Uh, what, what do you do? Well, it's really important to look at, go back to the beginning and look at creation. How did God create rest to be? You know, God's creation design, especially before sin actually uh, enters the world. And then we also have to look at the new creation. What's God got intended for us uh, when sin is finally done away with Uh, where we are restored back to who we are meant to be, where this world is made anew. Um, They're two big pillars that we really have to look at to shape our ethic and understanding of what it means to live this out in a Christian way, all right? So that's just to give you a bit of a framework. So we're going to start with looking at creation, as we've read from Genesis. And our first point is this, that we were made for work, made for work. So keep your Bibles out, friends. We'll have a look at the Word together. That's so important. Now, first point is made for work. It might be odd to start here, um, and, you know, as we think about rest, you know, but it's natural and vital to actually begin with. So Genesis 1:26. have a look at Genesis 1:26 with me, all right? It says this, God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and over all the wild animals, and over all the creatures that move along the ground, all right? And now uh, flip forward to Genesis 2, verse 15. Genesis 2, verse 15, just a page over. Genesis 2, 15 says this, The Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it and take care of it. And we see here here something important. When God made humanity, He actually created them to work. To work. He has a job for them. Chapter 1, verse 26 tells us that it's the rule over creation. 2, verse 15 tells us that Adam was to work and care for the garden. And why is this important to understand? Because it tells us that work is not a bad thing, right? 
In fact, it's quite the opposite. It has been ordained by God for us. Humanity um, has to do work. It's, it's given to us. It has great dignity. It's got great value and importance. This is not an anti-work sermon because God is not anti-work. And this is something that's important to know. Um, and we need to see here, though, that this picture of work is before the fall, before sin entered the world. Work is actually part of goods, God's good creation, right? It's not, it's not something that came in afterwards. For many of us, this might be a surprise because we think work is just bad, yeah? <laughs> work doesn't often feel like that. We feel like surely this is just a result of sin entering the world that we have to work. Uh, most of us don't say, I can't wait till the weekend's over so I can get back to work. I can't wait. Um, put up your hand if work sometimes feels like a drag for you, okay? If you're working and sometimes work feels like a bit of a drag. Yep. I'm looking for the staff. Where's the staff? No, I'm just kidding. It's all right. Sometimes work feels like it's a punishment from God. And it is. And later on in Genesis 3, we see that that's because God actually curses work because of Adam and Eve's sin, because Adam and Eve disobey him. So he says that work will be hard. It will be difficult. But the curse doesn't change this fact that work is a good part of God's good creation. We need to understand that first of all. Work is a good part of God's good creation. Right from the start, we were made for work. Now, workaholics, don't rejoice yet. Don't, before you say, I told you so, keep listening. Because this is far from the end of the story. This is just a context we need to understand to understand something bigger. That ultimately... We were made for rest, made for rest. Before we look at how God created us as humans, we need to take a deep uh, look at Genesis 2 verse 2, a foundational passage about rest. And here we see God's rest. We need to look at God's rest. So open up to Genesis 2 verse 2. Let me read it to you. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day, and made it holy, because on, on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Now, I've got a question for you. And if you guys were uh, here for uh, the rest series early this year, you should know the answer. It's a bit of a revision, but some of you, this might be brand new. I want you to talk about this. Why do you think God rested on the seventh day? All right? So turn to your neighbor. Introduce yourself if you haven't. Have a little chat. I'll give you... Two minutes to talk about this. Why do you think God rested on the seventh day?
Okay. Let's bring it back together. Let's bring it back together. Okay, I hope you all had um, a good discussion. Big question. Get you guys thinking, get you guys doing a bit of work. It's, it's a bit odd when you think about it, right? This is God we're talking about. God. God. He doesn't get tired like us. He's not, he's not human. He, why is he resting? Now, if we recall the creation account that was read out to us, and we saw the, the six days of creation, right? And after each day, God said, it was good. It was good. It was good. And then on the final day of creation, he actually says something different. Did you notice that? Have a look at Genesis 1, 31. Open up your Bibles. Genesis 1, 31. It says this. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. And there was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Thus the heavens and earth were completed in all their vast array. When God rested from his work of creation, do you know what it was actually about? It was actually about satisfaction. It was about satisfaction. God saw what he had made and he said, yes, this is as it should be. This is complete. Because when you think about it, you can only really rest, like truly rest when you are satisfied, right? Isn't that the case? When you feel that your work is complete. Um, it's really hard to rest when there's a... Uh, my slides work. It's really hard to rest when there's a sink full of dishes like this, right? Like, who can... Some of the, some of the guys in the crowd are like, no, I can rest, it's fine, but... Uh, But it's hard to rest when there's a sink full of dirty dishes, when you know there's this work to do. You can't really rest when, um, you know, if you're a student, when there's like half an assignment you still have to finish, and you're like, you can't, you can't just relax and just like chill out. You know, you know you've got to finish it. Um, you can't rest until that case at work is finally closed. Let me tell you, if I'm preaching, until I get my sermon written, I can't rest. I can't, I can't, I can't really switch off. I, I just need to get that done. But there's still work to do. If there's still work to do, it's very difficult. I don't think you can really be truly satisfied. But here we see God, the creator, and he is at rest because his creation is complete. And it is now time for him to enjoy, to enjoy this good, very good creation he has made. There's a really interesting verse in Exodus 31. I'll put up on the screen. Okay, yep. So let me read it to you. Exodus 31 says this. In six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth. And on the seventh day, he rested and was refreshed. Isn't, isn't that an interesting verse? God doesn't get tired like we do, but it talks here about God being rested and refreshed. And what I think it's saying here is that God was so deeply satisfied, it was life-giving for him. It gave him deep joy in his soul. It was refreshing. God's rest is what creation is all about. Um, a pastor, uh, one of my trainers down at UNSW when I was doing MTS, Joshua Ng, he wrote a commentary on this and he said this, indeed the seventh day is not only the end of the week but the end goal of creation. The seventh day is what the whole thing was headed towards. This created world is not the beyond end all of everything but rather the final purpose is God's rest itself. God's rest was the purpose. Creation wasn't the main game. God's rest 
was the key purpose. And notice when his satisfaction with creation comes. Right? It isn't after the penguins are made. He's not satisfied after the crocodiles, koalas, or red pandas are made. That's all my kids' favorite animals. I put it in there for them. <laughs> it comes after humans are made. That is when things turn from good to very good, which tells us something. The high point of creation is us. It's me. It's you. It's humanity. Yes, little old you and me. What a privileged pl place we have in God's eyes. And that tells us that a key part of God's rest, I think, here's another ingredient to consider, is actually relationship. It's relationship. Relationship with us. Genesis actually paints a picture of God speaking directly to man, a picture of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, seeking his people. It's a picture of close, intimate relationship. That's, that's what God had with his people. And this is where God draws deep delight and refreshment from. We get a little taste of that in our relationships, don't we? Because we, I think we reflect God here. When, I, when you reflect back, I don't know if this is the case for you, when I reflect back on the times of deepest refreshment for me, um, oftentimes they're very simple. It's, it's me sharing some good food with some good friends and just, you know, having a laugh and laughing so hard that, you know, the time just flies by. Uh, we just spend the whole night sharing stories, enjoying each other's company. Um, it's the times where, uh, that aren't so often, but I treasure them, where Lee Ching and I are able to just go and sit at a cafe by ourselves and talk while our kids are being babysat by some friends. And some of you guys have helped us with those sorts of things. And we just get to talk. Um, some of my deepest times of rest and relationship is when um, the kids uh, put on music on the Google, Google Home and then they start having a dance party, you know? And I just laugh, just watching them. <laughs> they're, they're really good. Ask Nate to show you later. <laughs> I love those moments. They're the moments that bring me true joy, that really make me happy, that bring me refreshment, right? And think of the times that you felt most happy, when you felt most satisfied, refreshed, rested. My guess is, is that for most of us, that's when we're enjoying relationship. And that shouldn't come as a surprise because we were made to reflect our God who takes deep delight and satisfaction in relationship. Our relational delight points towards how God made things to be. And let me tell you what rest is. Here's, I think, a biblical definition of what rest actually is as we look at this. Rest is a deeply satisfied relationship between God and His creation. Let me say that again. Rest is a deeply satisfied relationship between God and His creation. Right? That is what true rest is. This is how things are meant to be. Satisfaction and relationship. This is what rest is about. Yes, you were made for work, but do you think God made us just so he could have some little minions to do his dirty work? This is God we're talking about. This is the Almighty. He can speak the world into existence. He doesn't need us, so why did he make us? He made us so we can, en we can enjoy satisfied relationship with him. He made us so that we can be at rest with him and he, he can be at rest with us, that this relationship can be something that is... Uh, uh, enjoyed and celebrated. This is what you are made for. And remember, this is God's good design when everything was perfect. There was no sin in this picture yet. Us at rest with God in His good, 
is his good and perfect plan. And I'm absolutely confident this is true because this is where we are headed as well. All right, so have a look at this verse from Hebrews 4. So we looked at creation. Let's look at the new creation now. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. This is a passage spoken about the Israelites and how they kept disobeying and turning away from God. Well, it's a call to keep going, to enter the rest that God has. The writer of Hebrews is saying this, there is still rest waiting for the people of God. Something interesting to note in Genesis, if you notice in the creation account, is that there's no eighth day of creation. Did you ever notice that? There's no eighth day of creation. The seventh day... It doesn't end. There's no completion. There's morning, evening, you know. It's a rest that continues. It's a rest that Adam and Eve were part of before they disobeyed and had to leave. And it's a rest that we are now invited to participate in, in this rest that still remains. Verse 11 tells us that we have to make every effort to enter this future rest. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, this is the hope that we have that there is more to come. Us no longer cut off from God, striving to find joy and peace and satisfaction and coming up empty, but it's us coming back home to God to know Him and be known by Him and to find complete, deep satisfaction. We were made for rest, made for rest in the beginning and made for rest in the future. And how do we get this rest? Well, only Jesus can give you true rest for your soul. He's the only one that can bring that. Many of us have gone on holidays uh, recently over the Christmas, New Year's. Um, maybe you've been looking forward to that. Uh, but I don't know if you feel like this, but I, I feel like this sometimes. Have you ever wondered why sometimes, even after taking that long-awaited holiday or that day off after a long week, that you still feel tired, that you don't really feel rested? Or after watching hours of TV or gaming, things that you enjoy, you aren't really refreshed. Or why you can't really switch off even when you're on your time off. Or why you still feel anxious and overwhelmed. It's because even those things that might help with physical rest, they don't ultimately give you the rest that you need. The deep rest for your soul that you were made for. We will continue being restless until we recognize this problem. American pastor and writer Tim Keller calls it the work beneath our work. It's an inner murmuring of our soul. It's a voice that keeps saying to ourselves, unless you work harder, you're not significant. Unless you achieve more, you aren't worthwhile. Unless you do more, you are nobody. There's that voice that keeps speaking to us. And as we seek to silence these voices by filling our time up with more and more activity, by being more and more productive, by achieving more, to try and finish, we, we get further away from what God actually intends for us, for us to just be at rest with Him. That's what He wants. Let me read you this amazingly comforting verse, Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. 
This is the invitation of our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. To the religious person, Jesus says to you, you can stop now. I've done it all already. You don't need to prove yourself to God anymore. You are accepted. To the non-religious person, Jesus says this, you can stop now. You don't have to prove yourself to anyone. You don't have to perform anymore. You are loved and valued and worthwhile. I've died for you. Come to me. Come to me. And when you come to Christ, and only when you come to Christ, will you find the true deep rest that you were made for. Because through his death, through his resurrection, through his forgiveness of sins, we can come back into a satisfied relationship with God. And remember, this is what you were made for. When this happens, it means you can finally stop. Because finally, we can have deep soul rest, the rest we were made for. Now, doesn't that sound good? But here's a question. How does that change the way I live now? Yeah? And we're on to our final point here, a rest-shaped life. This topic's so deep that we did an entire series of it on it last year, but let me just reflect about a few implications, okay? A few implications. Um, as we think about the fact that we were made for rest. When, when you rest, let me, let me, let me re-emphasize this, when you rest, that is how you be, really fulfill who you were made to be. To be truly human is to be at rest with God, okay? That's what we were made for, okay? So we're going to need to think about that. So what's that mean for us? Well, uh, here's a few things to note. Rest is not a means to an end. For some of you, sleep is an inconvenience to getting more done, right? For those who are the hyperproductive people, you do it because you have to. Depending on who you are, you might have a very pragmatic approach to rest. Uh, I rest so I can work more. Now, there's a physical reality to this, but Genesis 2 doesn't have that view. Genesis 2 actually shows us something, that rest is actually the goal and fulfillment of work, not the other way around. You don't rest to work, you work to rest. Rest in and of itself is a good, good thing. It's not just a tool to be used so you can work more. The lesson is this, and here's what some of us need to hear today. There's more to life than work. There's more to life than work. And what honors God more than our work is actually our rest in Him. Does your life reflect that? Something to consider. A second uh, implication here. We rest with attention of the now and the not yet. We live in attention. I've described here a picture of ideal rest. Rest as it was in the perfect creation. Rest as it will be in the perfect new creation and that's where, um, that's where we're headed. But here's the thing. We're not there yet. We're not there yet, are we? We don't live in a perfect world. So rest is much more complex. Sin has actually messed everything up. We need to understand this. We live in a world that throws us conflict and sickness and pain that wasn't there at the start. It won't be there in the future, but we have it right now. We live in frail human bodies that get tired physically, emotionally, mentally, this impacts our need to rest and how we rest now. It's completely different to when we have new resurrection bodies in the future that never get tired, never get sick. And here's the other thing. We live in the end times. 
Think about the time we live in. We live, um, because of sin, thousands of people are perishing away from God. This is the time that we actually live in. Thousands of people doomed to eternity of never being able to rest. And as we await the return of Jesus to bring us ultimate rest, we have work to do. 1 Corinthians 15 calls us to always give yourselves fully to the work of the Lord, the proclamation of the gospel. This is what we're on about here because lives need saving. This is our mission, to make devoted disciples of Jesus for God's glory. And how, So how can we rest while people are perishing? It's easy to feel guilty, irresponsible, even lazy if we stop working, especially gospel work. But God wants us to rest. So how do we put all that together? I don't have the perfect answer for you, unfortunately. (laughs) It's really, really complex. But here's one truth which is timeless, relevant for for both past, present, and future, which I want all of us to take away. It's this, that we were made for satisfied relationship with God. We were made for satisfied relationship with God. Nothing changes this. I know we aren't there perfectly yet, but the more we can reflect this in our lives right now is uh, the more we can actually find rest for our souls. The more we reflect who we were were actually made to be. Have you ever had your car fuel tank run on empty or run low? Um, I don't know, there's two types of drivers, people who see that, you know, and then they're like, I can make another 100 kilometers. Or there's people who, when it's halfway, they go fill up. Yeah, I don't know who you are. But maybe you're feeling right now that your, your tank's running on empty. You're seeing how many Ks you can get, even though the needle is pointing at that E, the empty sign, that you're just pushing forward until the engine flutters and dies. Here's the ironic thing. The only thing that will help you refuel and actually find rest is you stopping and spending time with God. We are actually most alive, most refreshed, most joyful, most satisfied when we stop and we spend time with God. When we delight in, enjoy in, and find satisfaction in our Creator, our Father God. Do you know why? Because this is what we were made for. We were made for satisfied relationship with God. So how are you going out reflecting this in your life? Let me be transparent with you. I'm not the most qualified person to speak about this. I often struggle with a never-ending stream of tasks that come with being a pastor. I struggle with the weight of responsibility that means I need to get things done because people are depending on me. The sermons week in and week out, I need to do a good job in because this is God's word. This is important. And ironically, that means often often spending time with God get sidelined for me. And my guess is many of you are in the same boat. Now, spending time with God often gets sidelined. But friends, by the power of the Holy Spirit, I know things can change. Things can change. Together, let's commit to resting with God this year in 2023. This is a commitment that we need to make. But as we want to rest, we're going to have to put in a little work to get there. Here's two habits I'd love for you to try, okay? Two habits that I'd love for you to consider trying. I know for me, they've been really helpful, revolutionary for me in feeling less stressed, more rested, and just enjoying time with God more. The first one is this, stillness and silence. Two words that seem a bit foreign nowadays, 
to our culture, stillness and silence. It's so countercultural to just stop and be still and not do anything, cease activity. Especially with phones nowadays, it seems that the defaults are constantly stimulate our minds. When you've got a little bit of spare time in between, doing things even, you check it, you know, waiting in line, waiting at the lights. It's very hard to just stop. But one habit I found really helpful is just to stop all activity and just enter into an awareness of God's presence. Psalm 46 verse 10 says this, Be still and know that I am God. Be still and know that I am God. Now, God doesn't cease being God when we don't remember Him. God doesn't disappear just because we aren't aware of it. But I think there's something significant and profound about stopping and acknowledging His presence. Just being acutely aware that God is present with you, acknowledging that and soaking in that, giving thanks for that. And here's a good thing. It only needs to take two minutes a day. Here's how it might look like for you. Yeah. So... You settle into a comfortable and quiet place, all right? Yeah? Find somewhere in your home, comfortable, quiet place, find a park, go for a walk, whatever it might be, and you start by taking just a few breaths. <laughs> How about we try that now? Okay, everyone take a deep breath and inhale. Exhale. One more, one more. Inhale. Exhale. Do you feel better already? A little bit? <laughs> Desert slows us down. And as you keep doing those, that breathing, you just have a simple prayer that you repeat as you continue to breathe slowly. I often just say this. I just say this. I just say, here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. Here I am, Lord. I'll just spend a bit of time saying that. Or thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. And when distractions come, and they will, I need to pay that bill. I wonder what the when that new TV series will be released, or what should I pack for the kids' lunch tomorrow? They'll pop into your head. You entrust those worries and distractions to God. You give them to God, and you use your simple prayer phrase to turn your thoughts back to God. Here I am, God. Here I am, Lord. And what you do then is just soak in the fact that God's with you, and God loves you, and He's in control of your life. And I just do that for two minutes, and then I pray, read the Bible, you know. It just helps to slow me down. Now, it might sound like a bit of a weird thing to do. Some people might think, oh, it's a bit new agey, you know? Sounds a bit like, what are we doing here? I think it's important because God wants us to stop, slow down, be aware of His presence. And that's all it might take, but it could be very significant for you. <laughs> Let me tell you, it's really hard at first. Your mind will wander, you'll be distracted. It might take 10 minutes for you to get into a place where you feel like you can just, you know, not be distracted and just acknowledge God, you know, say thank you to God. But it's worth, it's worth it. I think it's been really helpful for me. That's a suggestion for you. Stillness and silence. Is there a way that you can practice a bit of stillness and silence in your life? It just takes two minutes, but just to stop. Take a few deep breaths. Say a simple prayer to God. The second thing, another habit, is kneeling prayer. I talked about this last year. I want you to think about this, that, you know, to try this, just once a day, just to stop, once again, that's key. The word Sabbath actually means cease, stop, right? Stop. Uh, get on your knees and thank God. 
keep talking to him through the day with those little prayers, you know, keep talking to him, he wants to, but I think we've lost the practice of forcing ourselves to actually stop and physically orient our bodies to reflect our humble dependence on God. There's something to, about kneeling, that's why it was instituted in the first place, that our bodies and our posture actually reflect something. As we stop and we kneel, we say, we're dependent on you. It forces us to actually stop, that this is our relationship with him. And when you do that, just stop and spend time with him, give thanks. Because when we give thanks, we are saying to God, you are good. I'm satisfied. I am content. And the first thing to give thanks for, the gospel of Jesus Christ. That he died for you so that you could have rest. There's always something to be thankful for. And it's that, the gospel. And as we do this, I think, as we stop, as we give thanks, as we take satisfaction in God, I think it'll be a small step to growing a more satisfied relationship with God. Kneeling prayer. As I tell you these things, these are habits that I've really dropped off on recently. Holidays are the worst for breaking routines, aren't they? But I'm being inspired myself to start this again because I think it's so important and it was really helpful for me when I was doing it. So friends, will you try one of these habits with me this week? And may you try and set it in as a habit, a routine for you this year. Because I think it will be significant. Friends, you were made for rest. You were made for rest. Come to Jesus, find that rest, and let's live that rest out for 2023. Let me pray. Father God, we're so thankful for you. Thank you that when we were restless because of sin, that you sent Jesus Christ to die, to rise again, to give us new life, for forgiveness for our sins, so that we can come back into a satisfied relationship with you. We ask your forgiveness for times that we've neglected that relationship, where we found our joy and pleasure and satisfaction in other things. But we pray that you will help us now, work in our hearts, so that they'll be directed back towards you. That we won't fill our lives with just more things, but that we'll be able to stop we'll be able to spend time with you and we'll be able to enjoy you. We pray for your Holy Spirit to help us because we can't do this alone. And thank you that you promise your grace and mercy in our times of need. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Friends, let's take a minute to reflect on the scriptures from today.